Well, I hope you brought your Bible because you're going to need it. <laughs> Go ahead and open your Bibles first to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 17. First John 2 and verse 17. You know, uh, as I was praying about this morning, I, I felt like I wanted to give a word that, that kind of ties in a little bit with, with Senior Sunday. Uh, I don't know that I've ever done that before. And, but it has to do with this idea. You know, when you, when you graduate from high school, as, as some of these are going to celebrate, what is it? Is it this week? It is this week, right? Okay, we did Senior Sunday right before graduation. Woo! Okay. So, you know, this week as high schoolers all over our city are, are walking down the aisle and not walking in the place where the mic feeds back. So, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's like a lot of decisions that have been being made and some are, are still being made, possibly. Uh, you know, if you're procrastinating, you might still be making those decisions. But, you know, what do I do next now? There's, there's, you have to make a decision. You know, there's sometimes when you can put off decisions, but then once you graduate from high school, you have to make some sort of decision. Am I gonna, you know, am I gonna mooch off my parents for the rest of my life? Um, if that's an option in your home, I don't know. Uh, most of the parents here are shaking their heads, so, uh, sorry guys. Um, but or, you know, am I gonna? Am I gonna just gonna get a job? Am I gonna? Am I gonna go to college? Am I gonna? You know, pursue this trade? Uh, am I gonna move? Am I gonna stay? Am I gonna get my own place? Uh, you know, we start thinking about things like you know, when am I gonna meet that one person? Uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so all that ties into. You know, we're thinking about one thing. We're saying, you know, God, what's, what's your will for my life? You know, have you, you ever, you know that phrase like, you know, finding the will of God for your life. And so I want us to walk through some scripture here today that tells us how to find God's will. It's going to be a little bit different than you think. You know there's a twist coming. You just got probably with me, you probably already know that. Uh, God's will is spelled out in the Bible. And so, first and foremost, uh, now he doesn't spell out specifically all the details of, you know, where you're supposed to live, what school you're supposed to go to, uh, who you're supposed to marry, uh, but he does something more important that's the foundation for his will. So we're going to look at a lot of scriptures today. So, Holy Spirit, we just invite you as we read all these scriptures, as we look through your word at the will of God uh, open up our eyes that we might receive truth today in Jesus' name. Amen. So 1 John 2 and 17 says this. Uh, go ahead and put it on the screen here since I'm not there yet. <laughs> Somebody said turn in their Bibles and the pastor didn't do it. So it says this, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So there's there's, there's security in God's will. There's a future in God's will. There is something that is beyond this life in living in the will of God. Uh, we established that in, in, in 1 John. In Romans 12 and verses 1 and 2, it says this. It says, 
don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Uh, this verse 2, excuse me, I didn't read one. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And really what this has to do with is this. You will find out when you're living in God's will that it is good, that it is pleasing, and that it is perfect. You will be able to test and prove. You know what, you know what tests are for? Uh, beyond getting a grade in school. <laughs> tests tell you where you're at. You know, if you take a, well, let's just use algebra as an example. Okay? You know, you got all those X's and Y's and A's and B's, and you're wondering, you know, I learned my ABC's in preschool. Why am I doing to get in, in high school? Um, the te- when you take a test and you get it back and it says, what number on it? Just throw out a number for a test you got. Huh? 27. <laughs> Well, you know, you gotta, you gotta be honest. I appreciate honesty. When you get back a 27 on a test, <laughs> you realize how much you know about this algebra, about algebra, right? You can say, you can determine right from your score, do I, where am I at with algebra? Okay, let's just use a different subject, okay? We're going to get away from math here because it's really challenging. And, you know, let's say you're great in history, okay? You can you, just, you love history, you study history, and it's interesting to you. You watch movies about history. So when you take the history test, you get it back, you get it back, and it says 95. I'm declaring it over you, okay? <laughs> okay? And the test tells you what you know. It's a simplistic way of looking at it, but the same thing happens in life. When you go through a test, it tells you what you really know. If you test out living in the will of God, and you go like, you know it's good. You realize after you're, you've tested the waters for a while, you're like, hey, when I obey the Lord, when I walk in His ways, good things happen. doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't, I'm not, I didn't say easy, I said good. We cannot confuse two words. Easy and good are not synonyms. They are not, they do not mean the same thing. Good means it's, this is, this is beneficial for my life. Easy means it wasn't very hard for me to do. Uh, in fact, many good things in life are not easy. Have you noticed that? Uh, man, marriage can be extremely good. But I haven't met anybody who thinks their mar- that marriage is easy. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, the only people who I've met who think marriage is easy, guess what? They're single. <laughs> okay? For one reason or another. Either they've never, you know, they've never taken that test, you know. When you don't even apply for that class, you don't have to take the test, okay? So, this is saying here, look, don't conform yourself to the pattern of this world, but renew yourself by... But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve, really, that God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. You know, Jesus said this. He said when all these people are gathered around him, and they said, hey, guess what? 
your mother and brothers are outside. You know, and Jesus is like, who are my mother and brothers? Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. So the will of God is, is something that, that is established forever. It's something that's good, pleasing, and perfect. It's something that is a, being a part of the family of God. So we're going to look specifically at some scriptures uh, that talk specifically more about the will and dig into it. So I need you to turn to 1 Thessalonians 4. We can turn to 1 Thessalonians. We're going to do a couple of scriptures there. Hopefully you're all right with this. We're doing a little bit more teaching today. Getting in a little bit more scripture. There's all forms, preaching, teaching, instruction. So 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 3 says this. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That you should be set apart, that you should be purified, that you should be made holy. So, you want to know what God's will is? Purity. Holiness. Being set apart for Him. That's what sanctified means. That means changed. That you, it is God's will that you should avoid sexual immorality. Any sex outside of marriage is, God, is, is not God's will. Any sex that's not between a man and a woman is not God's will. You're like, Pastor John, we're going, we're going right at it today. Well, the Bible says this is what God's will is. So you can know right away one of the key factors in God's will is your character first, then your calling. It's about who you are first, before what you do. It's about your heart before your hand. It's about the inward before the outward. It continues, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. And so as we give a charge to our seniors, I'm giving a challenging charge to all of us to say, God's will is for you to live a pure life. That's good, and it's pleasing, and it's perfect. It will allow you to be, live in the family of God and enjoy the benefits of being His son or daughter. Is He going to still keep you as your son or daughter if you don't? Absolutely. We sang that song, I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. That's not based on performance. This is an invitation to live in the blessing of the kingdom of God, of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in living like He's your older brother. Let's read another scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18. It says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 So the will of God is 
to be sanctified, to be purified, to have purity in our lives, and it's also to have to be thankful people, to have thanksgiving coming out of my mouth. Hopefully coming from my heart. Sometimes you have to start with your mouth and get it into your heart, right? <laughs> Just try, try it sometime. When you are most unthankful for somebody else in your life, might be your kids, might be your spouse, might be your boss, might be your pastor, I don't know. Some, just, you know, whoever it may be, take a second and just say, God, I'm going to thank you for it. For that person. Thank you that you created them. I don't know why you did, Lord, but thank you that you did. <laughs> I'm just being honest that you got to start somewhere. But start with the thanking. John Bevere gives a great, great testimony in his, we've done a, his, their marriage study with John and Lisa Bevere. And he is a great testimony that I think is a wonderful illustration. Early on in their marriage, John and Lisa Bevere, who are now like international ministers, it was horrific. Like I was shocked watching the videos going like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you were so screwed up. Uh, <laughs> you know, that gives hope to everybody. It's like, hey, look, you can grow and change. You don't have to be the same as you were when you started following Jesus or when you first got married or when you first did anything. Thank you, Lord. So anyway, they had this horrific fight. And so John storms out of the house and he is mad and he's going and talking to the Lord and... He's complaining to God about, you know, that his wife is not whatever. She's, she's always nagging him. She's always pointing out what's wrong with him. She's, you know, everything's, you know, can't, can't you change her God? And he felt like the Lord said, I want you to thank me for Lisa. That's his wife. And he, he gives a testimony. He's like, I'm really not really thankful for her at this moment. <laughs> Thanks for checking in, Lord. Is there option, is there door number two? <laughs> I'm looking for door number two. No, there, and God's like, here's the deal with God, there's, there's only door number one. <laughs> that's like the will of God is, is door number one. If you're waiting for the next door, he's like, no, that's it, this is it. <laughs> you either walk through it or you don't. So anyway, so John says, okay. Finally, he has his argument with God and he says, well, thank you that she's a good cook. I like that. Then he keeps going and says, I, I thank you that she's... I don't remember what, what he says after that. So he begins, just a, a, another small thing. Thank you that she... Huh? Thank you that she's a good mother. Some of you have seen it too. Help me out here. So he just starts, you know, some of these mo really obvious things. His heart's not even in it. It's like, well, thank you that she, she's a good cook. Thank you that she's a good mother. And then at, at some point... It changed from just will, just coming out of his mouth because he had to, to something erupted in his heart. And he went back to his wife and he apologized and asked for forgiveness and did all this stuff. But the key thing for him in that moment was, was one thing, thanksgiving. Choosing to give thanks. To say, okay, thanksgiving does not say everything is all right. It says, I'm going to praise God for what I know he's put in my life. I'm going to praise God for, for something. So if, if you're saying I can't do it in this situation. Okay God I'm just going to look at you. Thank you Jesus. That you love me. Whatever it is. Just start with something. But you're going to have to do one thing. You're going to have to do it out loud. I think you have to do it out loud. <laughs> I, I think there's too many times. Where we just 
do things in our heart. Okay. And yeah, God knows our heart. He knows what's going on in there. But there's something when my mouth, when I choose to engage my body in obedience to God. When you engage your body, you're engaging one more part of yourself because your body, soul, and spirit. And so, yeah, your spirit's alive. If you're a follower of Jesus, your spirit's alive. Your spirit is engaged and connected to the Holy Spirit at all times. You, your heart and soul and your mind, you can think things, but your body is also involved where you can say, okay, I'm going to give thanks right now. So God's will is for you to be a thankful person. If you're a complainer, I'm sorry, that's not God's will. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. <laughs> this is not Pastor John's opinion. I'm just pretty much reading the scripture here and saying, it is God's will for this. <laughs> So let me repeat again. So first of all, God's will is about our character. You know, I think God's more concerned with who you are as a person than where you go to school, where you live, where you work, what city you live in. You know, if you're in the right place, if you're in the right job, if you're in the right school, if you're in the right situation, and if you married the right person, but everything else is wrong in your heart, there ain't going to be much good going on. But man, you can be anywhere. And if you're in the right place in your heart, that place can be good. So it starts on the inside. It starts with character first. So I want us to go back to Romans 12.2. Number two is this. Romans 12.2, we'll read it again. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Number two is this, God's will is transformation. God's will is transformation. That I am not the same person I used to be. I'm, I'm actually not. <laughs> it's awesome. I know you all think I was a perfect little child, but... It's true. <laughs> Ask my brother. <laughs> you know, I'm not the same person I used to be. By the grace of God, I've been transformed. And here's the deal. Transformation speaks way louder than my words. You can have people run their mouth about all kinds of different stuff, but you see what's going on, how they live their life, that speaks louder. First uh, Peter 2 and verse 15. Can we just shoot that one on the screen? Uh, for it is, there it again, it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Here's the deal. Transformation silences arguments. Hey, you're in opposition with person in your family. Maybe it's in your immediate family. There's tension, there's friction, there's stuff going on. Guess what? You start changing. You start changing. You get close to Jesus and allow Him to just work on you. 
to just mess with you, to just, to just crunch you, to just, to just mold you, to just, to scrape on your heart, to, to scrape on your mind, all the junk that's in your head and just begin to wash it away, to begin to cleanse you, to begin to, to free you and, 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 and roll off the, the chains that are, that are hanging on your wrist that you've been freed from that you just need to shake them off or you just need to, 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 to walk out of the prison. You begin to change. You begin to transform and suddenly all the arguments will be silenced. It's God's will that we live such a life where people cannot speak against us. Too many times in the church, man, everybody is, again, and it's a broad brush that's been painted. So uh, I, don't, I don't always receive the paint from the broad brushes, you know. But here's the deal. By and large, the church has spoken first and lived second. The people of God have been loud with their voices and quiet with their lives. And it just needs to flip around. It's not that we don't need to use our voices. It's not that we need to shut up and not speak the truth. It's just that, hey, you know what? When you have a transformed life, it speaks louder than your words. And so sometimes it's better to you know, live the gospel than it is to speak it out. When you're living the gospel and speaking the gospel, that's where the power is. Turn to 1 Peter 4.19. So then, it says, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So this one's really, really tough. God's will is suffering for doing good. That's not like the American church message, is it? (laughs) Come to Jesus, you'll suffer. Come to Jesus. Your life will actually get harder. That's really the message we should preach. There is amazing blessing. There is amazing freedom. All those things are true. You're going to be free now where you can suffer and take it by the power of God and the grace of God in your life. You're going to be free now where you can walk through things that no one else could walk through by the power and the grace of God. But you're going to walk through it. And it's going to hurt. It's not going to be fun. In fact, it's probably harder to follow Jesus than to not follow Jesus. When I'm not following Jesus, guess who doesn't mess with me? Nobody. Nobody cares. If you don't want to follow Jesus, everybody's happy that you're alive. Don't ever rock the boat. You just go along with whatever's going on. That's an easy life. And a lot of people live that life. But if you want to follow God and do good and do the will of God, and honor God first, and obey Him, guess what? It's going to be hard. Because there's people that are going to come against you. There's things that are going to come against you. There's a spiritual enemy too, that is coming against you, because you are walking forward in the kingdom of God, and you're going to suffer for doing good. 
I don't even, I don't claim to know much about suffering. Look, if you've been raised in the United States of America, you've had it better than 90% of the world just because you live here. I mean, that's why everybody's trying to get into our nation. I'm not trying to get political and talk about issues. (laughs) But people are still rushing to get in the United States because there is a, there is a better life. It is easier in some ways. But when we follow the Lord, we aren't called to be the citizen of the United States. We're called to be the citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And sometimes those two are in opposition to each other, where I have to say, I have to go to the higher kingdom. And here's the deal. Whenever you go to the higher kingdom, the lower kingdom gets upset. It might be someone in your own family. I mean, look, when you follow Jesus, you'll lose friends. You'll lose relationships. You'll receive judgment. You'll have people watch you closer. Your sins will be a bigger deal than someone else's sins. Because you're saying, I'm following Jesus. And they're like, well, I thought you were following Jesus. (laughs) I I am. (laughs) I'm trying. Now, one of the ways we suffer is to just say, I'm wrong, please forgive me. To humble ourselves. To be the first person to humble himself. Don't you want to be the second person? I mean, I just, I just want to be the second person. You go first. Oh, man, thanks for doing that, John. Uh, you know, because you came to me and humbled yourself and asked for forgiveness, you're like, you know, there are some things I need to ask you to. And so I appreciate that. It just doesn't work that way. You, you get to be the first. I mean, if you get to be the second, that just means you've got a, a great person in your life who's following Jesus. But don't wait around. Because he's calling you to take the first step. You might suffer a loss of pride. But you're going to gain something much better. I want you to turn to Acts 16. This is, this is the last one. Here's where we get a little bit of direction. You notice all three of these have really not been like, where do I work? What do I do with my life? Because God's will is first about all these other things. And then out of that, He gives you a calling. He gives you a, an appointment. He gives you an assignment. It's not God does give us assignments. He does want us to live in certain places, work in certain places, be married and have certain children and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but he wants to first establish the inner, the character, the the transformation. So this is the this is the story of of Paul and some of his uh, traveling companions, Paul and Silas, um, and I think Timothy is with him at this point, and 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 Luke, who's the writer of Luke and Acts. And it says this: So Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision 
of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I'm so glad that this account is in the scriptures because it shows us that even the apostle Paul needed to figure out where God wanted him to go. Like they first went to, it says they tried to go into the province of Asia. So probably Asia Minor, the Turkey area. So they're, they're like, we're going to go to this new place that God, God wants us to go to. We're the missionaries. We're the ones that go to the, go to the places no one's gone to before. And they get there and it's like, uh, the, it wasn't the border patrol. It was the Holy Spirit border patrol where he said, uh-uh. <laughs> And he says, not here. So they're like, well, we know we're, we're not going back, so we're just going to keep going. So we're just going to keep going, and they keep going, they get to the next place, and they're like, we're going to go in here, we're going to preach the gospel, we're going to do like we did in the last place we were in. And it's like, and it says the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Like, in other words, they just knew, you know, sometimes when it, when you're not at peace in your heart, and you go somewhere or do something, and you're like, this just ain't right. This, that's what they're having. They're having that feeling that says something is wrong right now. And so then they're like, they just got, let's just go to sleep. <laughs> Sometimes that's the answer. <laughs> just go to sleep. Uh, I, I, I like that answer if it's God. Uh, can I take a nap, God? Uh, and in the night, they have a, has a, he has a vision of a man in Macedonia saying, come and help us. And they're like, so they get up and they talk about it. Notice that Paul, you know, doesn't just say, hey, we're going to go to Macedonia. He shares it with the community, with his, with his brothers that he's traveling with. And they all say, I think we're supposed to go there. That's where, that's where God is sending us. And so they end up in the city of Philippi in, in Macedonia. And there's, uh, they end up in prison. They suffer, they get beat. And they are in God's will. I want us to read one more scripture. Romans, this ties in with this. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Just let's put it on the screen here. It says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Look at this. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. There is one character that shows up in Acts and in this Scripture who is key to the will of God. And that's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God Himself. He is the one, He is our connection to God's heart and God's desires. And it's in a relationship and connection to Him that we walk in God's will. If you don't know what to pray, you need the Holy Spirit. Because guess what? He knows how to pray God's will. And Jesus says, if you ask anything according to my will, it will be done for you. So if you say, man, I don't, I sure don't, I just need help praying, God. He's like, wonderful, I've been waiting for you to ask for help. <laughs> I've sent you the helper. 
And the Holy Spirit is going to teach you to pray. Where before you were praying on your own. It was all just about you. It was all about you stirring it up. But now you're going to pray in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to lead you. He's going to show you how to pray. And your prayers, you'll notice, will start changing things. When you pray in accordance with the will. So here's the deal. God's will is inseparable from God's heart and God's spirit. I believe if you're following Jesus and listening to the Holy Spirit, you're going to end up where you need to be. You don't have to figure out where am I going to be in 10 years. It doesn't mean you can't have a 10-year plan or have goals. I'm not saying against any of those things. What I'm saying is the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. What does that mean? That means as I walk with Him, uh, the path is revealed. Sometimes we're like Paul. Check this door. Nope. <laughs> Hello. This one's really nice, God. I'm thinking there's no prison in this one, God. <laughs> is, there, is there a door without prison? <laughs> Where's the easy door? Where it says easy level, you know, like playing a video game. Difficulty. Easy. Yeah, pick that one. No, it's, there's, sometimes it is easier than others. He says, nope. Door number three, door number three, here's door number three. Guess what? You're going to start and it's going to look like it's not God's will, but it is. Because as we know, of course, Paul and Silas, they were in prison. That's at night when they were at midnight and they started to sing praises to God. They just started to worship. And it says the whole place began to shake. They were... I don't know what kind of worship it is that causes an earthquake, but that's serious worship of God. And it was not so they got out of the prison. It was because the jailer and his family needed to come to Jesus. And they were living in the will of God, offering up worship from their hearts, and they found themselves in the right place, at the right time, with the right people, Doing the right thing. The will of God is in the Bible. This is God's will. Let's pray. If you'd stand up. Thank you, Lord. Right now, we just thank you for wisdom and revelation. Lord, that you prayed that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in Ephesians 1 in the knowledge of God to get to know you better. Lord, we need to get to know Holy Spirit better. And so, Lord, if we're going to live in the will of God, if we're going to live in transformation, if we're going we're to be pure, if we're going to be sanctified, if we're going to be set apart, we need the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit... I welcome your work in my life. Why don't you all just say that? If you're willing to do that, just say, Holy Spirit, I welcome your work in my life. Holy Spirit, I welcome your work in my life. Help me want what you want. Help me, help me think like you think. Help me see like you see. Hmm. Help me love like you love. Help me suffer with your strength.
Father, I just bless every person in here with intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that the future is bright because we're walking with you. And that your will, even if it's hard, is good. It is pleasing and it's perfect. And we worship you today and thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you all. Thank you for being here. If you still need prayer, come on up and we'll pray for you before we get out of here today. Our judge and our defender suffered in-